You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole. So excited to be back. Uh, and with me, as she is almost every single week, the one and only particle physicist. Oh wait, no, that's that's the that's the other Christy Morris from the, the other universe. My bad. Sorry, Christy. Uh yeah. <laughs> i'm glad to be back and in the correct universe uh you know hopefully yeah i mean it's hard to tell not really sure do you still have all your limbs oh um i was missing a couple of toes strangely enough so hmm uh, you might see them running down the hallway. This is true. Knows? It could be. Uh, <laughs> well, we're uh, excited to be back. We're going to wrap up what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We had been going through the Cloverfield films. And this week we finally reach, um, well, the film that was released on Netflix, uh, The Cloverfield Paradox. And so uh, hence us, you know, making fun of a paradox. Um, luckily it is the real Christy Morris with us. We're so excited to be here with you. Uh, don't forget, um, as we're recording this, Christy, did you know, as we're recording today is international podcast day? Oh, I did not. Yeah. So, which is kind of fun. So we're That's podcasting, awesome. we're, we're podcasting international podcast day and, um, we hope everybody had a great time, uh, celebrating their favorite podcasts, uh, uh, here on the 30th of September, uh, 2019 as we're recording this but uh you know what if you like podcasts one of the best things you can truly do to help your podcast out and i know you hear this probably on every podcast you listen to but give us a rating and review apple podcasts or itunes and it truly is the best way to help out the show that you love take five minutes give them a star rating review let them know what you think of the show specifically we ask you to do that with the 602 club uh, because it helps more people find the show and it really helps us grow so uh, we got to thank all the people who have already spent the time and their very busy lives to do that we really appreciate that uh, but you can help us out so do that We'll read your review out on the show as well. So if you take the time to do it, we'll call you out on the show and read your review here on the show. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts as well. So um, maybe, you know, uh, you don't have, uh, you're not an Apple user. You can find us anywhere podcasts can be gotten pretty much. Um, we're on Twitter at TrekFM. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. And then you can find the Listeners Only Discussion Group, which is the Babel Conference over there on Facebook. Um, type Babel into the search field there on the old Facebook. Or uh, if you're on the website at Trek.fm, you can hit discussion on any of the menu bars and that will bring you there. Uh, as well. And then last but not least, you can hit Christy and I up with an email. Uh, go to trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that'll come to us. And we want to say a quick thank you to all of our associate producers. You know, uh, International Podcast Day, there's so many podcasts out there. And honestly, we have so many podcasts coming to you from the Trek FM network. There's absolutely no way we can do this um, alone. So we have some great associate producers here through Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Wyatt Millett, and Daniel Noah. 
They've been supporting the show for a long time. We really appreciate that. And part of that is because every single month, they support the network to make sure that this show, as well as every other show on the network, keeps coming to you. So you can do that too at patreon.com slash trekfm. You can become a part of our team. We've got some great contribution levels that have some even extra perks. But honestly, in the end, every little bit helps. And if everybody who listened to Track FM just gave us $1 a month, it would be huge. So please go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and support us um, so we can keep doing this uh, as long as possible. So Christy, coming back to Cloverfield, um, just... This is a weird one because it was another movie that there was a script that came in and they mm-hmm. turned it into, just like with 10 Cloverfield Lane, a, a Cloverfield movie. And then not only that, but once Abrams decided that they you know, wanted to make this into the Cloverfield universe, they, they created some extra scenes to kind of help create this uh link to the rest of the franchise and so first how did you feel when you saw this because i know um one of the things you had mentioned in the uh, in the outline is just the way this was marketed to everybody because the the trailer for it dropped during the super bowl saying that oh right after the game you can go watch this mysterious new movie on netflix right yeah it it did definitely fit with the way that they've done the marketing for all of the other cloverfield movies with that mysterious nature um and i love that the marketing was just very limited and definitely this time different in that it was immediately available on a streaming service and didn't even have a theatrical release um which is kind of funny then when you read into why it wasn't a uh a brilliant marketing idea. It actually became um, their budget was so much higher than Paramount felt the film was going to bring in, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, so they decided maybe we should try streaming for the first time instead of straight to theaters and then streaming after. Um, and I think that part worked in their favor and probably helped them out a lot with the numbers. Um, but I, I enjoyed um having, like I said, that mysterious nature again of limited amount of marketing before the movie came out. Yeah, I just remember being so like, oh, there's a new Cloverfield thing. Oh, and it, they're doing it on Netflix. That's that's interesting. And, you know, it it's funny because I, I don't know if it was just, you know, so many things come out on streaming now. It seems like um, even now as opposed to then even more so there's there's just so much that's happening um you know there it seems mm-hmm. like there's some new original and and really original means that most likely you know your favorite streaming service bought the rights to the movie uh so that, right not that they exactly. came up with everything <laughs> so uh did you did you and uh, your husband did you guys watch this right after the game uh, or soon afterwards uh, actually, my husband did first, and then um, I ended up catching it about three quarters of, or no, I'm sorry, one quarter of the way through and watching the last like three quarters of the movie. Um, and then I had to go back and watch the first part. Um, but I was really interested because he had told me about the original Cloverfield movie. Um, and then I loved Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane. So I was like, well, naturally, I'm sure I'll like this one. And they both the first two films seemed so different. I thought, well, this one will probably be similar enough so you know they're in the same world, but be its own thing. Um, 
so yeah, we we watched it pretty soon after it came out. What about you? Actually, I had never seen this until uh, just yesterday, as of this recording. So yeah, oh, so till I told you, yeah, about it. yeah, no, I mean, I knew <laughs> obviously I'd seen the preview, and it just was one that I never watched. And I will say, I think that's because. Some other people I knew had watched it and were like, eh, it's okay, you know? And so it just, again, this evening, um, before we were recording, my wife and I are, are um, I've been showing her Battlestar Galactica for her first time, and there was a preview um, before the episode for Good Omens from Amazon, um, which is an Amazon original mm-hmm. off the Neil Gaiman book um, that they made a series out of, and we have not had a chance to watch that, and it's just like there's so much stuff out there uh, that I feel like is coming out that if I'm not, if I don't hear good things about, I, I just I, I go to something else. And, and, and so this was one where I didn't necessarily hear uh, the best feedback on. So I was like, I just, you know, I just passed it up in, at that point. And so um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you because it, all of 10 Cloverfield Lane, I think found a way to integrate itself we talked about that with the cloverfield universe but at the same time you know kind of feel like its own thing how do you feel like this one did with that idea of you know they added the different scenes to connect and and how do you feel like this one does as it you know tries to connect itself with cloverfield I think they connected it well with the other Cloverfield films as far as the overall themes. Um, I think all of them really um, discuss the most valuable parts of existence um, or how humanity responds during um, disasters and how that can expose your true character. Um, but aside from that, I think this one in particular feels like it doesn't quite mesh as well with the other two films. Um, it feels like the monster of Clover, as we kind of know it, was just thrown in at the end. Um, and that really this movie was meant to be and maybe maybe would have been better um, without having that included, Um, that maybe they could have tied it together just by saying this person was related to Howard or, um, you know, that there is also an alien attack happening on Earth, but you don't have to show things happening. Um, I don't know. Maybe they could have mentioned it sooner in the movie as well. It just felt like overall that it was more of a space movie than it was a Cloverfield movie. Do you feel like it tried maybe too hard to try to connect all the dots? Yeah, it and because I think exactly what I'm saying is true when you look at how the writing mm-hmm. was put together. Originally, this was that story, God Particle which was more of a space-related story, and it was about the Higgs boson and everything. Um, But I felt like later they threw in, in the dialogue, oh, the Cloverfield Paradox, and you're like, oh, yeah, because it's the name of the movie. And then, you know, exactly what we said, you know, with the monster being kind of thrown in, that was literally Mm -hmm. thrown in, because it wasn't part of the original written story, God Particle. Um so I do feel like those things are a bit of a stretch and maybe they could have done it in a different way to tie them together. Yeah. You know, I, I think with 10 Cloverfield Lane, 
they allude to the fact that the things are happening in like other places in the world. So you get the feeling as though what happened in New York is happening there. Um, Mm -hmm. and that it's all connected somehow, but it's not explicit. And this movie, I felt like the, the, what, what the main issue was is that they made it too explicit that basically their actions here with the shepherd project, um, are what cause everything else that happened in the other two movies. Right. And I think that's the problem is that you took what was this kind of mysterious and kind of unexplained monster phenomena and then you tried to give a scientific answer for it, basically, you know, uh, and they specially mm-hmm. do that. Um, and I, I really, I love the uh, inclusion of Donald Logue um, playing the conspiracy theorist. You know, he's he's Harvey Bullock. And, you know, I think he's, I mean, he's, he's the best, one of the best parts of Gotham in general. Um, but I think... It, that's the issue like what had had been more nebulous we kind of you know um we actually made really explicit and that was the problem is that this movie answered too many it seems weird to say that but this man this movie answered too Mm -hmm. many questions for its own good really about the whole cloverfield paradox Yeah, it's perfect that you say that because I remember we were talking about with 10 Cloverfield Lane that it leaves so many things open to question, whereas this one does the opposite, that it feels too much like we want to take the events of the last two and explain it all to you rather than we want to continue on the journey we were on. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I just totally agree. Um, So I'm interested, too. Because I do feel like, so the last two movies that we talked about in this this uh, universe was the fact that the cast was a real strong point. In both films, I felt like we, we felt like almost the entire cast, for the most part, in, in both of the movies, a really strong selling point. You know, 10 Cloverfield Lane, there's only three actors that you spend most of the time with anyway, so they have to be mm-hmm. good or the movie's going to suck. Um, and then in the first movie, I feel like for the most part, both of us liked almost the entire cast. Uh, and they, we, we mentioned specifically, they sold us the story. So with this movie, I feel like they have the same thing in front of them. Like they have the same challenge in front of us. You need to sell us the character story. So we kind of forget about the crazy part that's going on. And we just mm-hmm. we we get involved in the the emotional stakes, the character stakes. How do you feel like the cast does in this movie? And was there anybody that stood out to you that you really liked? For me, there were four people out of the whole cast that really stood out, and the rest of them, it started to feel like it was just too many people. Um, it, my favorite absolutely was the actress that played Hamilton. I would butcher her name if I try to pronounce it. I think it might possibly be Nigerian. Um, but yes, um, her last name is like Mbatha Ra. Uh, she plays the main character of Ava Hamilton. Um, 
her monologue toward the end that she records for the alternate version of herself makes me cry every time I see this movie. She's so good. And I love that they had, usually in a world I feel like where we see in sci-fi that often the captain is a man, um, that they had a woman end up leading all of this. You know, that it, it did start off as a man, but then it developed to where she's the only one left of all of them. And so I, I thought it was interesting to go that route um, and explore a new way of telling that kind of story. Um, but other than her, I, I loved um, Daniel Brule as Schmidt. Uh, I've seen him in Inglorious Bastards, and he was brilliant. And, uh, and Civil War. Again in this. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. So he plays Zumo. He's a good villain. Yeah, he is very good. Uh, and then um, Chris O'Dowd, I have to mention as Mundy because I love him, especially from Bridesmaids. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Um, and then uh, the last one I actually love for her more dramatic stuff was, um, I think you pronounce it Zhang Zi. She played Tam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved her from Memoirs of a Geisha as well as this. But um, I think those four were the strongest in this whole movie. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like... And this is the thing. Like, I feel like everybody in the cast does a serviceable job with what they're given. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like anybody's bad here or phoning it in or anything like that. Um, I think the thing that, one, I think you mentioned earlier, and I think you rightly pointed your finger at, specifically was that there are, it just feels like there's too many cast members. And so... Yeah. We seem to kind of lose any um, feeling on whose story should really be the most important here, which, again, the other movies did not do. And in fact, I think their real strength was figuring out how to really just focus on a few main characters uh, and, you know, leave the rest out of it. And then... I think that the other thing that this movie doesn't do as good a job with is making me care quite enough about their story arcs so that, again, I kind of forget all of the other things that are going on, like um, Space Station and Peril and, you know, uh, possible arts and universes and... Yeah. All of those things, I, I kind of felt like, I don't feel like they really truly, and I think you're right, the, the actress who plays Hamilton, I think she gets the most moving things to do, but I found, and I'll just be honest, I found myself just not caring about what anybody's going through, because nothing was mm-hmm. just grabbing me story-wise for any of the characters, um, and then you had people like, I feel like Elizabeth DeBecky is just completely wasted as the alternate timeline Jensen. Like she barely oh, yeah. Yeah, has anything to do. And then of course she turns out to be a villain with shocker. Um, and they don't make her sympathetic at all. No, not at all. Not at all. She's always mistrusted. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like you, the, that's the thing. Like this really needed to be, I felt like, a, again, another character study movie in many of the yeah. ways which 10 Cloverfield Lane was like, but you needed to transfer that onto the space station where the stakes are even higher. And I just didn't feel like they were able to find a way to focus enough. And, and I do think that part of that is that they 
spend that time with Ava's husband, uh, Davies, Roger Davies, um, as her husband, Michael, and I feel like that's a huge mistake because yeah. you're taking time away that you should probably just be focusing on this um, this space station so you can add more complexity to the storyline with these characters, give them more depth and more time so that you really care. And that's where you could have rewritten the storyline a little bit there for Jensen and and given, again, I love Elizabeth Debicki. She's so good. I mean, if, if you haven't seen her in The Night Manager with Tom Hiddleston, it's fantastic. Um, so she's amazing. And then, of course, you know, she's in uh, Man from Uncle, which is another brilliant film. But and so she can do greatness when it comes to acting. And and here again, she just I, I feel like they just sell everybody short. And I, I just put it this way. If I'm checking my phone a lot to see what time it is while I'm watching a movie, that's never a good sign. And I found you're waiting for it to be over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, this this movie or that or especially these days, like, you know, when you're streaming, right? And you you're depending on where you're watching it, but I'll hit the I'll hit the the top of the uh, Apple TV trackpad and it'll pull yeah. up the the status bar to show you where you mm-hmm. are in the movie. And I'll be like, this movie still has a 45 minutes. What? You know, so that happened quite a few times in this movie. And part of it was because I like all of these actors that are in this movie. Like I've seen them in other things. I think they're good actors. They, they, you know, like you mentioned, every single one of them has been in something else. Yeah. And I just, I was disappointed because I felt like they sold them short into a story that and at all ways just felt like a massive space cliche. And or, you know, um, chasing around arms and legs, you know, it's like, (laughs) which is really sad. I didn't feel quite that upset about it or or I guess I would say um, not wowed by it. Um, I did still enjoy it and I felt like we kind of needed that comic relief of the arm being separated without causing him any pain. But um, it felt it did feel like at sometimes it went more to the horror direction with the way that they surprised you with the paradox issues that um, it didn't quite do in the original Cloverfield. But then, I mean, I guess 10 Cloverfield Lane did go that direction. So who am I to say that that part didn't fit into the whole universe? Um, But I, I don't know. I still found it pretty enjoyable in spite of some of those yeah story issues well and I, hey i i'm the 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 moments where to me that it was actually the strongest were the moments where it was going down those horror uh, you know like it was walking down those horror corridors you know <laughs> like when they're hearing right. things in the corridors and it turns out that there's a human being inside the bulkhead like what the heck like that yeah. is you're thinking it's going to be an alien on board. Yes, it is creepy and scary. And, and like you're wondering if, OK, is that how we're going to be connecting to uh, the Cloverfield universe and everything? So, yes, all of that, I think, is, um, you know, really well done. Liked it a lot. Um, I, I just felt like um, that there wasn't enough of that um, and yeah. that they never uh, found a way to 
truly connect with me story-wise. And that's really important. I mean, you know, when you're doing this kind of film, um, and this is kind of a problem that I feel like I have with a lot of like horror type movies, is that unless you find a good character arc for the characters, I'm not going to care about the cliched ways you're trying to make people die or you're trying to scare me. You know, um, right. So this just just wasn't able to do that. But, you know, um, again, I'm not discount. And none of these people are bad actors. And, and there are plenty no. of movies that I love them and and, and uh, other things. I just kind of wish uh, I, I feel like they just uh, they deserved more the same way the other characters uh, in the other Cloverfield movies um, got. You know, honestly, I felt like they were just better serviced. So, but yeah, I'm glad they worked better for you. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you feel about the whole paradox issue in general of, um, you know, exploring there being alternate dimensions that are all existing at the same time and now we're crossing? Crossing the streams. Never cross the streams. Yes. Didn't they watch Ghostbusters? <laughs> um, right. You know, I, I felt like it was a solid idea. Like the idea of of doing that whole that it's we transferred into a parallel universe. It's very kind of like Star Trekky, um, which is is not a bad thing at all. It's it's a it's a great idea. I don't know if they spent enough time really exploring what that idea means, though, in the story. Yeah, it like I felt like they could have explained better how the Shepherd system worked. Because other than saying it's the particle accelerator, I'm like, okay, whatever that means. <laughs> I am not a physicist. I don't know if you knew that, but so that that means gibberish what? to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- I I think that's exactly the thing. Like, um, you know, this movie sciences in weird areas, and. The way, way it. that it scienced here, what I what I felt like is that it kind of became, you know, in Star Trek they do that a lot. They call it techno babble, and we're gonna techno babble, techno babble, mm-hmm. techno babble our way out of a problem. And I understood from watching enough Star Trek the idea of like the parallel universe thing and all of that stuff, and kind of yeah. how those particle accelerator would get them there. With the idea that like the particle accelerator just by just by setting it off again, that it would immediately send them back to the same place. I was like, really? Like, uh, so if you went to one parallel universe, wouldn't there be other parallel universes? And wouldn't there be the chance that you would accidentally land up in one of those parallel universes and not just the, so I, I, f- I felt like, and this is the thing. If I'm starting to think all this stuff while I'm watching the movie, that's, <laughs> that's a, that's a bad sign because I shouldn't be right. thinking about that kind of stuff. I should be engrossed in the rest of the story. So, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head exactly with it. I told my husband, I was like, I hate the phrase plot holes, but this was a big plot hole because if there are supposedly infinite parallel dimensions and now they've caused this massive energy burst that, you know, catapulted them into another one, then setting it off again wouldn't just take you back to the place you came from. It would mean there are still infinite possibilities of other worlds or dimensions you could end up in. So, I mean, they saved their own butts by making it do what they wanted it to, but it really 
I'm going to nerd out and say there were too many variables. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I think part of that goes back to what we were talking about with the cast that, you know, when it comes to the parallel Earth story, the parallel world story, that if I'm thinking too much about the Shepherd and project, you know, in this Cloverfield paradox, it's because I'm not thinking enough about the character arcs. Like I'm not engrossed enough in the story. And that's, right. you know, that became the issue. And I think, you know, it, it's clear that both of us were, were, we were on that wavelength where we just weren't connecting enough with the character arcs. You know, you liked them more than I did, but you were still also having the same problem I did in the end with yeah. you know, the story. So it's like, oh, well. Mm-hmm. And I will add the other one that bothered me that I thought of before you mentioned that issue was uh, when Voskov, I think is how you pronounce it. Am I crazy? He was the Russian engineer, Volkov. Um, when he looks in the mirror and his eye moves, mm-hmm. it was a freaky thing to do. And then like kind of makes sense later with him having the worms inside him. You know, maybe they caused it. I don't know. He's got worms. Yeah. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> But but having him talk to himself like he suddenly has another being possessing him did not ever make sense or get explained. It just was kind of a useless plot point. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. I uh, 100% agree with you. Um, I'm glad you brought it up because I had forgotten about that idea. But now that you bring it up, I'm like, what the heck was that all about? And I... I I get that we've like it was just weird yeah the fact that the worms got transported into him but also then the like cube thing that they needed got oh, transported the, into the him the gyroscope which, yeah which was very strange like and I got the idea that they had displaced the other um, station from the other the, from the parallel universe but they didn't quite explain like why they had dis- displaced what they like so can there only be one version? There can only be one. A version of the person <laughs> in the universe? Is that what it is? <laughs> oh, apparently not, because there were two Avas in the same universe. Or was, there was Ava in space and Ava on Earth. Well, that's true. I don't, I don't know. know. There were videos. Yeah. So, but I mean, did, I mean, did, did because that Ava had come into that, like it killed the other Ava or something? Or, see, that's the thing. I don't understand. Like, why did it displace certain people and not others or is that just the um unpredictability Maybe that's just the chaos of, a... of it yeah yeah <sighs> see it answered <laughs> anyway, too many questions holes. but then it didn't answer the the problem is it answered all the wrong questions right there you go you know yeah. like all the questions you don't really want answered but then it answered these questions like huh that's but we did find out where the worms went. So that's true. We did. Um, and it yeah. was a very important question. <laughs> and Volkov got worms. Um, so, yeah. Um, what did you think? You know, like I, what you mentioned some of the themes that they kind of play with in here, and kind of this whole idea of like what matters most in life, um, how you deal with high pressure situations, and. I don't know how did, did any of these really strike you as that they 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 really played with any of these themes or that they just kind of had them there. I did always feel like and and I felt like they were in all of the Cloverfield movies that one theme of um your character 
is what's most important or like the people you love are what's most important. Um, and, and I like that they even throw it in with uh, Ava's husband, Michael saying, we're going to need some good people to help us get things up and going again. And the little girl says, we're going to need a lot of good people. But, you know, it kind of brings up that point over and over again throughout all three movies of that there's good people and there's bad people and that disaster or high pressure situations will show the true nature of a person. And it showed that Jensen was a bad person, in my opinion, at least. I mean, I guess, you know, when you look at the needs of the many over the needs of the few, maybe she had a point. She was willing to kill three people to save eight billion on Earth if that was what resulted but like there was no way for her to know that killing those people was going to save the planet um so it's just it's an interesting idea but it i don't know i feel like i always want to take something away from a movie and maybe that's wishful thinking but i felt like i took away from it that uh valuing your time with those you love is the most important thing yeah no i think I think you've definitely hit the kind of one of the main themes on the head and I'm right with you. Like uh, to me, a movie that is, is most successful is one that doesn't just give me, I, I, I say that, but you know, I don't think there's any grand theme for dumb and dumber, but that movie just gives me enjoyment mm-hmm. and I, I laugh at it. And you know, I think there's value in that, but on a whole, yeah. I'd say that the movies that I like the most in life tend to be the ones that keep me thinking afterwards. And I think that that probably is the thing about this movie that I find the most um, disappointing is that I don't feel like I just, there was nothing that truly jumped out at me and and, and something that I would kind of like take away, like as, as, as like a message yeah. or a lesson or anything like that. And part of that was, is, and, and I think, you know, we, we had, we'd mentioned it before, but I think, in the end, I think the thing about this film is that it just feels very generic. And I, it's interesting to me that, you know, they wanted to make this part of the Cloverfield universe. And I guess this kind of brings us full circle. You know, they wanted to make this in the uh, part of the Cloverfield universe. And, and one of the ways that they had done that, I think, was with that second movie really finding a way to 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 add something really unique um to the genre you know they they were playing with a lot of different types of genre there um with that 10 mm-hmm. Cloverfield Lane film um and i just don't feel as though they were really as able to do that with this movie as they had before um because it it did feel more like a lot of the space adventure type movies that you've seen many a times rather than rather than kind of like truly adding something um i don't know that i think that's just the issue that i run into yeah i get that and it definitely with both of us being star trek fans and sci-fi fans as well there are some common sci-fi movie and tv tropes you see that are in this movie like oh no something is broken and one of us has to go out there and fix it manually how many times have we seen that (laughs) a few a few oh and one of us is gonna die doing it Mm -hmm. so uh or uh, i'm gonna sacrifice myself for all of you um 
or uh, something busting out of someone. <laughs> Being an alien fan, yes. But I I still felt like at the end of the movie that I, I like the kind of horror approach they took to it because it did really get me with some of their jump scare situations. Um, and I, I did feel like, especially with Ava's monologue at the end, that that really pulled on my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. So I still, even though I didn't love it, definitely not as much as the other two movies, I felt like it was making a point Mm-hmm. Whether it was JJ's point or somebody else's, that um, life is very precious and that you don't know how much time you have with the people that you love. And so you should hold on to them as long as you can. Yeah. And I, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, I it, If there is any theme in the movie, it is definitely that one. And I, I wish um, they had just found a kind of a better way to... Um, find their way into that with the storylines with the characters because I think that definitely would have helped. Um, you know, this one is interesting because I would say of the two, this one has the least popular critical response. Um, correct. And so, yeah, I was shocked. Hello, <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. And so, I am kind of wondering for you at this point, it would you? Would you want to see more, you know, Cloverfield movies? I would. I think it's possible. I think they just need to revert back to what they were pulling on for Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane rather than this one. I feel like this one for both of us, it just kind of strayed too far from the themes and the um, sci-fi nature of it that they were going for before. Uh, and I think that, you know, like we both said, it spent so much time trying to tell you the wrong answers than to make you think more about the things that mattered. Um, so I, I think you can, and I would like to, but only if it's good, <laughs> which there's no guarantee. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that's very true. No, I agree with you. What about you? I I don't know. I don't really have a solid answer, I don't think. Um, I, I think that this one showed maybe the limitations of this if it not done correctly. Um, you know, I think this one specifically, um, uh, it was, it was something where, you know, again, we felt like they kind of, uh, a- answered all the wrong questions and didn't answer all the, the questions we really wanted to have answered. And I think part of that is that you, you know, they, Something special happened with 10 Cloverfield Lane when they decided to make it part of the Cloverfield universe. Um, and I right. I think this proved that they don't necessarily know what that formula is to do that. Um, but I would say that we maybe thought of something, which is that you have to be, um, you, you need to keep things more mysterious. Uh, and so, yeah, don't go back and try to create a genesis of mm-hmm. everything that comes about in the other two. Yeah. Be your own thing. Yeah, I mean, hey, Terminator Genesis had the same problem, so, you know, but that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Um, actually, we've already done that podcast. It, it's it's back in the back catalog. So, I don't know, Chrissia, you know, with this one, where where would you head with your rating 
uh, for, I mean, because I feel like this is kind of a paradox. Ha ha ha. Yeah, that was a bad <laughs> joke. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I, for me, and since we've been doing uh, out of five lately, I'll switch gears and make it a little bit easier and do out of five. I'll say I would give it a um, three out of five and put it right there in the middle because I did really enjoy some things about it and definitely thought the cast was great and that it didn't have anything to do with them, why it didn't do well with like critics. Um, so I, like I said, I think three out of five because I still got a moral to the story for me. And I think that you can get something out of it, but I do think it had that these disconnected pieces that could have been done better um, and certainly made it fit better with the other Cloverfield movies. If you're trying to do them all in the same universe, you need to find a way that ties them together without it feeling like, and we put this monster at the end. Remember Clover? <laughs> uh, so that's it for me. Yeah. Um, for me, this one is two out of five. Um, it, it just, it, it kind of falls below the average level for me. And that part really comes from the character arcs not reaching you know a, a place that really kept my interest during the movie uh and so i yeah I, it is disappointing that this and i can see exactly why they did not release this in theaters because it would have gotten destroyed you know yeah. um so better to sell it for however many millions of dollars to netflix uh so they can stream it and try to recoup at least you know i guess part of the money um, so, I mean, I have no idea how the studio's residuals work on, you know, numbers and, and all that for streaming, but yeah, this, this one just was definitely a misfire. They, I think they tried, um, because, you know, it works so well with 10 Cloverfield Lane and it just doesn't work here and, you know, Hey, th it's okay. Not everyone's going to be a winner. Um, you know, and, uh, so going forward, who knows whether or not they'll, they'll try it again. Um, and so, but, um, after that, I feel like it's time for some recommendations and Woo -hoo. so Christy, um, what do you want to recommend to everybody this week? Well, I could not remember if I had recommended it before, so I'm going to throw it in here just in case I haven't, but, uh, don't know if you guys saw that there was a stranger things for teaser on instagram um today as of september 30th so if you're listening to this later then you know um but stranger things i highly recommend especially if you like stephen king stuff it's highly inspired by that um and is really a coming of age story of a group of kids that i mean we've even talked about on this show um it's it's just an incredible show. So um, I highly suggest it. I thought that Stranger Things 3 was the best out of all of them so far. So I can't wait to see where we go with 4. Uh, and their slogan for 4 was, uh, we're not in Hawkins anymore. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, well, strange if you haven't watched it, talk about a strange thing because we've covered all three seasons here on the show. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, you definitely do want to check that out. Um, I already recommended it in the show, so I'm going to recommend that you watch The Night Manager, which is one of the best shows out there. Uh, it's an incredible six-part uh, series. Um, it is, I believe it's still on Amazon, and so it's, it's totally worth watching. Uh, I remember watching it with my wife, 
And um, yeah, it was one of those shows that was so intense. We could not watch more than maybe two episodes at most a night because it was just one of those where like, ah, what's going to happen? Ah, you're on the edge of your seat. <laughs> um, again, uh, Tom Hiddleston and uh, Elizabeth DeBecky are in the show. They're phenomenal. Um, Hugh Laurie's in the show as well. He's amazing. Mm. Um, it, it has just a great cast. Uh, actually, Tom Hiddleston in this show was the... He he showed me he could actually be Bond if they wanted to use him. Uh, really Ooh. good. So it is just a fantastic show. I highly recommend it. And I think, you know, if you're looking for an incredible spy, suspense, you know, type of show, this is definitely for you. So, yeah, I'd, I'd check it out. Well, that was a lot better than my recommendation. You sold it. <laughs> Well, good, good. <laughs> I'd love for you guys to watch it and and hear what you thought because it it truly is like I was. It, it really was one of those shows. Like I I would look at my wife and be like, "Do you want to watch another one?" And she'd be like, "No, tomorrow." Like it just <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, it is. It was really <laughs> stressful. So great show. Um, but uh, Christy, if if people want to catch up with you. And be able to see, you know, what else that you have going on. Where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bespin Bell. And in addition to being on the 602 Club, of course, here with Matt, I do a show with my friend Teresa called Sabres and Spells. We've taken a little bit of a break, uh, just had some personal stuff going on. So sorry about that. Um, but we are back uh, and we'll, we should have an episode dropping this week. So um, stay on the lookout for that. I also do a show once a month called Planet Leia on the Tracks Network, uh, where it's six women from around the world talking about our viewpoints on Star Wars. Um, we are talking about Triple Force Friday this week, which is October 4th. Um, I know. I'm going to so spend excited. way too much money. Yeah. Uh, and then I recommend Triple is, Force uh, Friday. <laughs> yes. And Star Wars. Um, and then, of course, once a month, I do a five-minute segment called Fashion in Five with my friends, The Star Wars Report. Well, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero, all in the same name, MattRushing02. Uh, you can find me uh, here on the network. When we get a chance to record, Chris Jones and I do the orb co- talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm over on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is Owl Post or Drea Kaufman talking about Harry Potter each and every week. We just started the Half-Blood Prince, so really excited to be into that. Uh, you can also find me over on Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills, where we do talk Star Wars each and every week. In fact, we just had two weeks where we were celebrating Clone Wars with some great guests. Nick Anastasio, editor of the Clone Wars, and then Henry Gilroy, uh, who helped create the Clone Wars, as well as writer for the Clone Wars on. So Woo. you're going to want to check out those episodes. It's so much fun. Uh, and then last but not least, I do Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney, where we talk about films through the ones of faith. So... I think it's time to say thank you so much for joining us. And Daniel Noah owes me DVDs of Indy. (laughs) (laughs) 